Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Good morning and welcome to our Stay by the Tree Messages of Hope webinar series. We are just thrilled that you're here with us this morning and we are so excited for our guest Chris McKinnick to be here. So if if you're wondering if you're in the right place, you are. This is where we're going to hear some awesome things today from Chris McKenna. We have so much love and respect for him. But before we get started, in case you're new and have never been involved in any kind of resources with life-changing services or mothers who know, we just want to extend a heartfelt welcome and appreciation for your time here today. And also, I just, as the director of Mothers Who Know, I'm Karen Broadhead. I wanted to just share with you something that we just love that's so important to us that we feel pretty passionate about while we have a few more of you arriving. And it is that we have a motto here at Mothers Who Know, and it is stay by the tree, the tree representing the love of Jesus Christ and the help that we can receive from him through his beautiful atonement in our behalf and our family's behalf. And there's a lot that we navigate. And so that's a motto that we have here at Mothers Who Know. And our theme here is taken from 2 Timothy 1.7. And it is, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we just love that reminder of the spirit God gave us and that there's plenty going on that can bring a spirit of fear into our life. And if we 
you know, depending on which way we lean with all of the stretch that we're feeling as we parent, we can have so much more influence in the spirit God gave us. So I'm going to turn the time over to BJ. She is our assistant and co-host today in this meeting, and she's going to be doing a lot in the chat, and she has some great information for us, and then she'll introduce Chris McKenna. Thank you, BJ. Hi, you're welcome, Karen. Yes, welcome, everyone. We just invite you just to take a deep breath and settle in and just grateful that you took this time to care for yourself and and learn some things to help care for your family. This is, like Karen mentioned, Stay by the Tree Messages of Hope. It's a live webinar series that we do a few times a year that usually has three parts to it. And this is the second of, of a of a three-part series. So we'll have one more next week. And like Karen mentioned, Chris is going to share a message about the digital culture of kids and building a framework of trust. And so we just want to thank you and let you know that we are one of the programs of life-changing services. We always like to give a shout out to them and highlight them so that people are aware of the services that they offer. Life-changing services is a is just an incredible therapeutic treatment and self-mastery programs and individuals for individuals and families and couples. They they are a counseling center and a therapeutic service, and it's a nationwide group and independent but like-minded licensed therapists and trained mentors who provide just really impactful therapeutic treatment and self-mastery training programs, and so. Those lots of people that come to life-changing services are really grateful for their gospel-centered approach and how they incorporate those principles in the in the things that they do there. So the leaders of life-changing services have worked so hard to synergize the, the principles from the the that are taught in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with just accurate science and psychology. So Lots of people find great help there. We just appreciate Chris today for coming and sharing his message and his beautiful faith-based approach to things and his, how that's a foundational piece of so much of the things that they, their Protect Young Eyes share. So we wanted to share just a little bit about Chris to introduce him and to help you get to know him a little bit. And then after that, we're going to hand it right over to you, Chris, and and let him share that message. So Chris is the dad of four and the husband to an amazing woman named Andrea. He started protecting eyes because of the time, because at the time, plenty of people were talking about online problems, but no one was telling parents how to fix them. PYE's mission is to show others how to create safer digital spaces the PYE team has performed over 1,500 talks since 2015. So he knows it's tough being a parent today, but he believes it's even harder being a kid. He desires every family to be protected, and he will show us how. How to be a digital coach in our for our children and not a controller. Hauling out the fear of what we might have done in the past and empowering us with the resources and knowledge for a hopeful future. Chris knows that we are completely capable. A little bit more information on Protect Young Eyes. It just shows families and schools and churches how to create safer digital spaces. They do this with a great 
with a pretty great website, a powerful presentations, and a unique learning app for parents who have zero free time. So that's all of us. <laughs> there are many things that we appreciate about Chris and what he and his organization are doing. We sure like the following statement on the Protect Young Eyes website. It says, Protect Young Eyes believes that the information presented in this website to be beneficial to anyone, regardless of religious affiliation. Protecting our children is the right thing to do for all of right thing for all of us to do. So we love, we love that piece. And just a little bit more about today's presentation. The digital culture of kids building a framework of trust is PYE's bread and butter talk. It is a faith-based message, which gives a broad overview of the digital landscape and a whole list of basic tips for helping our awesome kiddos navigate the risks. So Chris, we just thank you for being here. Thank you so much for really who you are and what you're about. Your, your heart is very obvious. And so just want to hand it to you and let you go ahead from here. All right. Well, I'm so happy to be here. And please do use that chat. I'm joining you from Grand Rapids, Michigan area. So here we have technology connecting us in a wonderful way as it can sometimes. And we're going to cover a lot of information here. And here's what I would like to build on some things that Luann has already shared. There's a lot of information that I'm going to share, and there will be times that that may feel overwhelming. And whenever that thought of feeling overwhelming enters, let's pivot and redirect that toward opportunity, a different O word, right? Instead of overwhelming, we can pivot that thought toward opportunity. One step at a time, the big chunk of information that I'm going to share becomes opportunities to protect our children one thing at a time. You have to remember that I've been in the trenches of digital wellness and digital safety for seven plus years now, and I'm about to share that knowledge with you. There's no possible way that I would expect all of you to understand it instantly. And so please push back against any of that little bit of, oh, no, I can't. Nope. That's the enemy that wants to take what are opportunities and turn them toward overwhelming thoughts that then turn to paralysis and we don't do anything. And I don't want that to be where we end this. And so you will end this with a lot of questions. Great. Come to us. We answer hundreds of questions from amazing moms, just like you. You represent our primary audience. And that is what I call the CTO moms, the chief technology officer moms. If I look at my Instagram following, 94.2% of my following are females from 25 to 50 in that range who have children who care about protecting kids online. And so that's probably most of you. Thank you for that. And I wanna help you one step at a time. We'll do that today with some things that we've learned. We do a lot of different talks depending on what the needs of the school or the organization are. This one is more of our 50,000 foot sort of overview. And I'm gonna share a lot of principles and then it's up to you to apply those to your unique family situation, whether you have elementary, middle or high school, maybe you're a grandparent, maybe you're an aunt or an uncle, maybe whatever role you find yourself in, I hope you'll be able to apply some of these high level digital safety principles to your specific situation, all right? So let's jump in here. Sometimes it can feel like this, right? Some of that little overwhelming feeling, I'm fine. The digital world around me feels like it's crazy. And we could name each of those flames on the screen. Like that's the Twitter flame and that's the Snapchat flame and that's the TikTok flame. But as long as I got my coffee, we just sort of pretend it's gonna be all right. But you're not alone. 
you're not on an island. Sometimes it feels that way that you're the only one struggling with certain digital issues, and that's certainly not you. A little bit more about us, although I would love to bring BJ with me to provide that fabulous introduction at all of my talks that I give. That was so great. But if I were to boil us down to a statement, our mission, it's this statement here on the left, called this sort of our elevator pitch sort of statement, right? That parents are often afraid of what their kids might experience online. Maybe that's you. I mean, if I could get an amen, right, from, from the group here, you've felt that way from time to time. You can even give me a hand raise in the Zoom sort of features there. That'd be great, right? We often are afraid of what we, our children, right? I have four children, might experience online. But our research, we want to come against that fear and that afraid, right, with research, education, and advocacy. We're doing some of that here with education, presenting our research so that you, all of you, can have practical solutions. You don't need to be a tech expert. If you were to look at my, both of my professional experiences and the degree that I have, none of them have to do with technology. Now, that's a really horrible way to start a digital safety presentation. You're all about, why am I here? Who's this guy? But I want you to know that there are very practical things that all of us can do, regardless of your digital IQ, so that you have a family that is prepared, balanced, and protected. Those are three words that we hope embody the families that follow us, that you feel more prepared and you feel balanced. Whether you're 4, 14, or 40, Lord knows we can all use a little more digital balance in our lives, but also protected. We do want to protect our kiddos. And so here's the family the Lord has blessed me with. Andrea and I will celebrate at the end of the year, 24 years together. That's one of our two dogs. Four kids, Lauren, Cole, Grant, and Blake. Lauren, my oldest, she graduated from high school. Her grad party is this Sunday. We're in the throes of chaos in the McKenna house right now. And then I have twin boys, Cole and Grant, really unique set of twins. My son with the braces over my right shoulder is Cole. He's 13. His two-minute younger 13-year-old twin brother who was born with Down syndrome is Grant, the young man that's at the table. So a really unique set of boys there. And then 19 months later, we have Blake, who's 11. So in the fall, I'm going to have three middle school boys, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And as a former junior high youth pastor, if I would have known, like back then, if someone had said to me, someday, Chris, as a father, you'll have three middle school boys, I'd be like, no way. Who would ever want to do that, right? But here we are, and this is what we have. And so I'm right there with many of you stumbling and bumbling through the digital age, trying to figure it out and practicing, as I say, on my own guinea pig children. Now, I'll say that if you're an 18-year-old senior in you know, high school who's just graduated, whose dad runs an internet safety organization, that really sucks. Like, that, that's a horrible spot to be in as a, as a teen, but she's very gracious with me and, you know, lets me ask her certain questions about what is popular, what's trending, you know, I'm always changing the router in our house and the passwords and the settings as I test certain things. My kids have an abundance of patience for their role as guinea pigs as I test all things digital, because I'm not going to share anything with you that I haven't practiced on my kids. That's really important to me. I think that there's a there's a danger and a responsibility that I feel in the digital age and that there's good advice and there's bad advice when it comes to kids online there are surprisingly different views on, let's say, the topic of appropriateness. What is appropriate or inappropriate for kids online, right? There are a 
thousand, it feels like different parental control solutions, which ones work, right? So I, I take the responsibility of whittling down some of those, what can feel like gray or difficult spaces into a small list of things that I trust. And I just, I guess I just want to communicate to you that I, I feel that responsibility. I want to steward it well, and I don't want to just willy-nilly haphazardly throw out ideas and let you figure out whether or not they work. I want to make sure they're test-driven first, and I take that role very seriously. And I contemplate things to share with you, and God shares ideas with me during long runs. I'm a runner when I have time. This is a long relay I did out west, more towards Many of the folks here out in Oregon, the largest relay in the country is something called the Hood to Coast. It's a 200-mile relay that starts at the top of Mount Hood and runs all the way out to Seaside on the Pacific. And so this was a 200-mile relay I did with five of my friends a couple of years ago. It's how I stay sane in the midst of the digital age. Long, quiet runs. No headphones, ever. <laughs> no headphones, just listening. And that advocacy side you'll see come out. I've testified in the U.S. Senate on digital safety and state level. I've worked there in Utah, South Carolina, Texas, Alabama, Florida, many states on different legislation and also at the corporate level because we need all of those layers. And I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm not asking the government to parent my children. I'm not asking corporations to make digital decisions for my children. I'm simply saying to these entities, quit making it more difficult. Because it doesn't matter how intentional we are as parents, the doorways to egregious harm are unguarded and too prevalent. And we need to do a better job at all layers, in the home layer, at the school layer, at the government layer, and at the corporate layer to wrap our children. We have a responsibility as a country, as a society, to wrap our children in these layers of digital protection. So that's not replacing our responsibility, it's augmenting and supporting our responsibility and some of those supports simply aren't there. So a couple of things that we believe before I jump into some of the more meat of the presentation is I believe kids should wait until high school to get a smartphone. Can I get an amen? Like, let's just say that their brains simply aren't ready for devices that simply weren't made for them. They were never designed for them in the first place. And I think the same is true for social media. I'm all about talk, text, and GPS. Let's keep in touch with our kiddos, right? But they don't need to carry what we, we forget because they've carved these letters off. But I want to remind people as frequently as I can that everything we do online has three letters in front of it. WWW, the World Wide Web, right? We drop 100 million people into the pockets of our children. And then we expect them to not make a bad choice. Like that's on us, right? We, I think we need to sometimes step back from the digital and think about it in an analog way and go, oh my gosh, that makes no sense. And I think we need to, we need to own some of that. So just things to ground us. I don't believe as a former middle school pastor is now a dad to three middle schoolers, no middle school child is a better version of themselves emotionally, spiritually, or relationally, or neurologically because of the presence of social media in their life. More and more, I was just reflecting on this over the weekend as I was doing some yard work. And I came across in the backyard, we have a patch of peonies and it's peony blooming time, right? If you're a peonies person, a beautiful big flower. And we have a, 
a patch of them in the back that has been passed down through generations. So they were first planted in the late 1800s at my great-grandparents' home in northern Michigan. They were passed down to my grandmother, passed down to my mother, and we've all kind of split and moved them. Now I have some of them. And so we have these generational peonies and they were blooming. And I was thinking about my grandparents and how much I missed them. And it just struck me that most everything that is most meaningful to us is almost always analog. It's almost always in real life. It's almost always in relationship with physical, real human people, <laughs> not the digital version of, of yourself, you know, of, of each other. And I think we feel that now more than ever coming out of a time when we were more digitally connected than ever during COVID on more screens and more devices and having more FaceTime and Zoom calls than ever. And yet we're exiting that time still feeling lonely. That should be a signal to us. And so I don't want us to rush childhood into the digital realm. One of the phrases that we use at Protect Young Eyes is delay is the way. Delay is the way is a slow tech strategy. It's not a no tech strategy. In fact, we want kids to know tech, but slowly. Right kid, right tech, right time. Right? So these are some of the things that we believe. Now, I know for some of you on the call, maybe that ship has sailed. This is not intended to induce any guilt. Whether you've said no slower go, I trust the spirit has things for you. I trust there are nuggets that you can enter in. If a child already has a device or already has social media, now the message isn't taken away. In fact, I'd love in a room, all of you right now to make you kind of raise your hands and take a pledge that you are not going to finish this presentation and smash their devices. That does not help. That does not build digital trust. That doesn't invite your children into a relationship with you. Whether you've said no slower go, we have to find a spot to enter into wherever they are. And so if they have tech, great. Now you're going to have to press into the relationship side and maybe even a posture of humility to say, I am so sorry, amazing teen son or daughter of mine that I probably gave this to you too soon. I probably didn't do a great job preparing you for it. And I just want you to know that that's not your fault, that that's on me. And if anything were to happen online, whether it's your fault or not, bring it to me. You can land safely with me. Because one-on-one -on -one with tech, whether you're 14 or 40, you eventually lose that battle. An amazing child of mine, please know that you can land safely and softly with me. Right? These are some of the things that if they've already got it, now we press into the relationship side, let them know the door is open. They don't have to travel digital paths alone, all right? So just some things that lead into what we call the digital trust framework. What you see in the middle there is multiple years and tens of thousands of conversations where we've looked at families who tend to have children who use technology in a good and positive and God-honoring way. What are the attributes of those families, right? What are those attributes? And those attributes are the phrases that you find in the middle. Copy me, co-play, curiosity, conversation, and coaching. These are the things that we see happening persistently and consistently in families who tend to have children who use technology well. We don't want to be on the left side, spying, helicopter, fear, and control. Because when you ever try, whenever you try to control somebody in something they know more than you about, how does that usually go? <laughs> Not great. And in my experience, when you try to control a digital native in the digital world, 
and just press into trying to control what they do, all that does is turn them into a bunch of digital ninjas. And they're really good at it. They're very good at finding ways around. And so I don't want us to spy on our kids. Spying on your children doesn't teach them anything. Now, whenever I'm in a live presentation, I love to read the faces on the room when I say that. And I can't see all of you, so that's a little more difficult here in Zoom. Because automatically when I say to a crowd, especially if moms don't spy on your kids, they all kind of start to question, wait a minute. Wait, Chris, you telling me I can't check my kid's phone? That's not what I said. I absolutely want you to check your child's phone. I absolutely want them to know that you check their phone. I absolutely want you to have full access to that phone. Why? Because it's not theirs. It's co-owned by you. There's a big difference between that and spying on your kids, which doesn't teach them anything. And the moment they've discovered that you're spying on them, you've destroyed any digital trust that you have. From the very moment that a child has access to anything connected to the internet, I want them to know that you are lovingly involved because what kind of parent would you be if when you put 100 million people in their pocket, you're not with them, you're not involved in some way? That's a big difference from digital spying, right? That concept of co-ownership, which I'll press on a little bit more when I get into the digital trust framework, is maybe one of the more important things that we teach. That if you're a minor in my house, every single digital device that connects to the internet is co-owned by this guy. <laughs> it also belongs to me. And aren't I a kind and benevolent parent that while you're in this house, I have allowed you to use this iPhone. Isn't that nice of me, right? These are the postures that I want us, the words that I want us to say with a smile, joking, not joking on our face with our kids Then when we say it, right? So that they know this from the very, very beginning. The story that I sometimes tell that presses into this co-ownership concept, Lauren, who's now 18, when she was nine, she got her very first internet connected device and it was a hot pink Amazon Kindle. She picked out the color, not me. Now you can name a Kindle. And so we opened it up and we set it up and we named it Dad's and Lauren's Kindle because I wanted her to know from the very beginning that this was also mine. And then we took as a profile picture, a double selfie. So every time she opened it up, there's me and her in the profile. Hi, it's dad, right? Like I just wanted her to know from the start that technology is a we activity and not just a me activity. Because again, one-on-one -on -one with technology, the algorithm eventually wins. And as an adult man who for years struggled with the issue of pornography, with all the tools that I had, knowing Jesus Christ, a loving, amazing family, all these tools at my disposal, and yet I still struggled. What chance do our children have if we don't walk alongside them in the digital age and connect with them relationally and set some of these sort of stakes in the ground from the very beginning because they don't stand a chance one-on-one -on -one with this tech, right? These are some of the things that I want us to to keep in mind. On the other side, I don't want us to be passive for obvious reasons. Technology is not neutral. I sometimes hear that from people. Oh, technology is neutral. Really? Because last it felt to me, it kind of feels like Alexa's listening because I think I was in the kitchen and I only thought 
about improving the landscaping in my backyard. And now for some reason, all of the side ads in Google are showing me things about landscaping. How did that happen, right? There's this creepiness about how well our technology knows us today that it is not neutral. And it's certainly not neutral when it comes to our children gathering and collecting data about them. Millions of pieces of information about our kiddos when they're online. So I want us to focus on the middle. And what I'm gonna do is unpack each of these words in a little more detail, and then maybe some questions if you have them along the way, please, please drop those in the chat. You can wait till the end or you can do that sort of while we're going as we go through each of these parts of the digital trust framework. The first part is copy me and that little circle, the DTF, that's digital trust framework. I had someone in a presentation, I had been talking about the digital trust framework in the presentation for like 60 minutes and we got to one of the last slides. She goes, Chris, what does that little DTF stand for? I'm like, you know, that would have been a good thing to say 60 minutes ago to you. I'm sorry. That stands for digital trust framework. So there we go. And the first part of the digital trust framework is copy me. Would you want them to use their technology just like you? Where you use it, how you use it, and what you use it for. In other words, we lead the way as amazing moms and dads, we lead the way, right? They watch us. And I think it really matters. Right before the talk started, I was reflecting with the team here. I'm guessing many of you remember Colin. We were good friends. We worked together on legislation and really just experiencing a lot of momentum together right before he passed back in 2020. Like he said some fabulous things that were so sticky. One of them being Showing your kids you love them is 2% effort and 98% putting your phone down. That was one of his favorite phrases. I think it still is true. I think what's hard today is that we use our phones for so many things that it sometimes is perceived by our kiddos that we're on our phones all the time. But we're also shopping. We're also picking out the groceries. We're also checking when their schedules are. We're doing so many things online. And so I think one of the ways to combat this idea of our kids thinking we're always online, and yet we want them to kind of copy us is we announce what we're doing online. We say to our kiddos, I'm online right now on my phone, but it's not Instagram. It's not doom scrolling the news. I'm shopping to feed you right now. You want to help me? Like, let them know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And I think that's a great way for them to know good uses of technology, for them to copy you and to know that tech is used for a lot of non-social media things sometimes too. Now, when it comes to early childhood development, which is also very, very important to me, I want us to be cognizant of what we're robbing from our children when we're on our phones a lot. There are some speculations that some of the delays that we're seeing now with reading, writing, some early childhood educational mile marks is that when we are constantly depriving our children of face-to-face -face interaction, we're actually depriving them of developmental opportunities with us. Because there's a lot that goes on in the early life of a child. Peekaboo is not just a fun game. It is actually teaching that young brain very important things about interacting with other people, about the significance of a smile, just how to function and read facial expressions. And if we're constantly on our devices, hanging out at doctor's offices, even while we're in pickup lines or drop-off lines, instead of interacting relationally, we're depriving our children of developmental opportunities with us. I just want us to be aware of that, right? 
when you look at all the studies that are out there, and you'll see why this is connected to us, whether it's world health or pediatrics, they say three things. They have these three things in common. Number one, we keep littles off of screens as much as possible. Two, less is almost always best. In other words, there's no study that says, man, if your kid plays outside, they're in trouble. Like, there's no studies out there that say that, that I can find. But finally, what they all say is how we use tech impacts how they use tech, right? We have to be very aware of our modeling for them. And so that even leads to things like the what we call the toxic trio. So while we were all locked in and locked away, one of the things that we started talking about at Protect Young Eyes was the toxic trio. And that is whenever you're online, but also have darkness, bedrooms, and boredom, you create a tempting situation. You create a spot where you are ripe for making an online choice that you probably shouldn't. And it's not always pornography or something that bad, but you shop a little more, you watch a little more football, you do a little bit more whenever you're online surrounded by darkness, bedrooms, and boredom. So if you've said to your kids, you know what, you can't have your phone in your room at night, that probably means us too. That means the copy me part of that, I think, says volumes if we're also not going to sleep playing Candy Crush every night right? Or whatever rule we've given them about devices in their bedrooms, I think also applies to us. All right. So that's copy me. That's the first, these are in order for a reason because it starts with us. It starts with our example. And as moms, you know, all of you spend, especially in the summer here, an enormous amount of time with your kiddos. And again, I'm not trying to make you feel horrible. It's just more of an opportunity to reflect on maybe a little bit less or a little bit different, or I don't need to check right now. That's the opportunity that I want to put in front of us. All right. The second part of the digital trust framework is co-play. When we do tech, let's do some of it with our kiddos. Okay. Just a minute ago, he's now gone outside, I think, or maybe he's out in the living room, but my son Cole was looking up something. He wants to buy an old school Nintendo entertainment system. You know, like the old school Duck Hunt, Mario Brothers, right? He's a gamer. And he was on my couch here next to me. I've intentionally put a couch in my office because I want my sons to hang out with me while they do things online. I want them to listen to some of my talks and just sort of absorb some of that. Why? Because I want us to do technology together as often as possible. I already said the phrase, I want them to know that technology is a we activity and not just a me activity. Because again, one-on-one -on -one with tech, whether you're 4, 14, or 40, and I can say this as a man who's walked that path, you eventually lose. So I want my sons to know early on that we can do tech together. And you also sometimes learn things about your kiddos by watching how they use technology. You know, for as much as YouTube is a problem, and we're going to be shipping a great big post on YouTube this week, you can learn a lot about your sons and daughters by understanding what they watch on YouTube. Have you ever just looked at the history of the videos that they watch? There's a lot of great videos out there. I think sometimes the algorithm can teach us some things about our kids' curiosities, about the things they're wondering about. I had no idea that my son Blake liked watching large hydraulic presses crushing things. But there is a whole genre of videos out on YouTube where you put bowling balls and stacks of things and you put them under this massive hydraulic press and it crushes them and it explodes. 
and he enjoyed watching it. Who knew? So then we sat down and we watched them together. And I was like, hey, man, you know, how'd you like that video? And it gave us a chance to do technology together. All right. Just an example of that. Now, sometimes when I talk about this, we go towards gaming. That's okay. Playing games online with your kid is great. I just hope that we understand that today's games are not like the games that we grew up with. We do a whole webinar. I'm not going to go over all of these. I just want to show you that we do a whole webinar just on gaming and have thoughts on gaming and today's games being highly addictive. And so if that's you, you're a mom who has a gamer kid and you have more questions, reach out to us through our website or through Instagram, and I'd be happy to answer some questions related to gaming. Is it cool to do games with your kids? Yes. Do I sit down from time to time and play a game on the Switch or something else with my kids? Yes. But I do want us to be highly sensitive to the fact that games are tuned for addiction. Like today's games are crafted for addiction. And not every child can handle some of those games today. So we have to, you know, beware of our child, beware of how they respond. I'll kind of summarize how I feel about gaming with this statement. If every time you take the game away from your child, they turn into a rage-filled alter version of themselves, that should be a signal, right? That should be a signal that that game neurologically is having too great of an impact on your child, right? That amygdala is fired up in that limbic system of their brain. And that's something that we should pay attention to, all right? Now, the picture I have on the screen here is what I would call extreme co-play. This was right at the beginning of probably in 2020 when we were first trying to figure out how to work from home. I didn't have a home office. So I was essentially on a TV tray with my MacBook in a recliner in our bedroom and my son wanted to play the switch. And I was like, well, okay, but you got to play it with me. There's no place for him to really sit. So he nestled in next to me, shoved his knees into my ribs. I'm on a Zoom call and here's Blake playing the switch next to me. This is extreme co-play. I'm not suggesting that this is how it should look. I just got a real kick out of this picture. And what I laugh about this picture now in hindsight is I must have really wanted chocolate because I have a whole like package of Hershey chocolates there on my tray, which is really unhealthy, but I really wanted chocolate that day for whatever reason. It must have been stressful. I don't know what it was, but point being, I want us to do tech together. And what you see, I'm not going to play it because they don't play super well through Zoom. And sometimes the bandwidth is a little choppy depending on where you are. But this is an example of the many short little videos that we post online, both on Facebook and on Instagram and reels. And we just give little 60 to 90 second tips. This happens to be the reel that talks about co-play and co-ownership, the idea I pressed on a little bit at the very beginning that we do tech together, right? So I just would invite you, if you're on social, to go and check those out. Again, we want to give as much helpful, practical tips in as short a time as possible because we're all busy, right? So that is co-play. Now, before we get into curiosity, this would be a time where I would love in a, in a live setting, we'll do it here virtually. I'll ask you this question. I want you to drop in the chat of the seven apps that are on the screen here, type in the number in the chat that represents the number of these apps that so you could tell me the name of it and how it works. The name of it and how it works. Type in the chat, just a number, one through seven. What represents the number? And there's no shame here. I guarantee there's gonna be a couple of ones. You're in good company. The number that represents the number of apps that you know 
and could tell me what it does. Let's see here. We've got twos and threes. We got a five. We got a six. Awesome. Four. Very good. Kind of all over the place. Great. So when it comes to being curious, which is the third part of the digital trust framework, right? It helps for us to know a little bit. We don't have to be experts. We just need to know a little bit. Why? Because all of our tech conversations, if they all are consequence, negativity, and yelling, then I think we're setting ourselves up for failure. From time to time, I just want us to ask, hey, I saw that Instagram released this new thing. Have you tried it? Right? If your kid happens to be on that. Or, wow, I saw that Dude Perfect released a new video. And your kids go, how did you know? Because I'm a cool parent, right? You're curious. I want us to have some conversations about technology that are more of that posture. Because I think those are the ones that soften the path, prepare the path for the harder conversations, right? Just look for ways to ask little curious questions. A real simple tactic that you might employ to do that is make sure that wherever your technology is, that it's in a spot that you have a say in when and where they use it. So for example, I could turn my webcam here around and show you there's a little tray here on my file cabinet where all of the Chromebooks and the devices get charged. That's where they stack. And the boys know that if they want to use one, they have to ask permission to use it. Right? Just as a general principle, I want them to ask permission before they get online. And usually the answer is yes, right? If they're not exhibiting any signs of being overhooked on things, which I'll talk about in just a minute, then usually the answer to that question is yes. But it also gives me an opportunity to say, hey, man, what do you want to look up online? Like, Dad, I want to I want to look up an old Nintendo Entertainment System because I might want to buy one with my money. Awesome. Go for it, buddy. Because tonight when I'm putting them to bed, I can say, hey, so did you have any luck finding that Nintendo that you were looking for on eBay? Right? It gives me a chance to ask a curious question while also having a little bit of control over the device, but doing it in a way that creates conversation instead of condemnation. Right, Those are the opportunities that I'm, I'm looking for with our kiddos. Now, something I just touched on that maybe sparked a question in some of you are like, well, Chris, you know, how do you know if your kids are spending too much time online? That is a fabulous question. And you know what? I don't have a perfect answer. Because how do you measure screen time these days? Everything is screen time. Like it used to be you could separate TV from screen time. Well, now this TV is a screen because it's a smart TV and it's kind of like a big smartphone hanging on the wall. Like how do you measure screen time? Now, some parents still measure minutes and hours. Great. I'm not one of those guys. That is stressful to me. Now, I want to invite all of you into this. If you... Feel like a if you've set up in your mind as a mom that my kids only get 30 minutes online every day, that's great. But if they get 31 minutes, you're not a bad parent. Okay. So I want to just, I want to crush all of those sort of rigid, almost shame-filled paths that we sometimes create for ourselves. And I'm a good parent or a bad parent if I have constructed this number. I am all for you aiming for a number, but don't believe the lie that two minutes over that number means you did a bad parent thing, okay? I'm more looking for holistic child attributes, right? Is my kid still pleasant? Do they clean their room when I ask them to? Are they conversant at the table, 
right? Are they doing things that I want them to do? One of the things that I use to test how they're doing with screen time is I interrupt them. I interrupt my kids when they're online. If my son Blake is in the middle of a game on the switch and I say to him, Blake, even if it's right in the middle of a match, which are like three minute matches, Blake, I need your help right now to empty the dishwasher. If he doesn't put it down right away, that's a problem. I intentionally interrupt my kiddos to know whether or not the game has them hooked. That happened recently where Blake and Cole were playing a game on the switch and I was getting ready for dinner. And I said, boys, I need you to empty the dishwasher before we get ready for dinner. And they're like, great. And they set the game down and they came over to help me. And I said, pause, good job. Go back to the game. I'll empty the dishwasher. You prove to me that the game doesn't control you. Awesome job, right? So I intentionally interrupt my kids to see whether or not their brain is hooked on it or not. Just if any of you are sort of asking yourself that question around, how do I know whether they've had too much screen time or not, okay? I'm gonna keep us going here, right? So curiosity, I think what's really important is for us to maintain that posture of curiosity because when kids do from time to time stumble into areas we don't want them to, if we default to being mad, which is really easy to do in an emotional reaction, then we miss an opportunity to build digital trust with our kids. So when you're curious, you understand why sometimes kids look at pornography. I think you approach them differently. You approach them the exact same way that we want Jesus to approach all of us as adults when we stumble and bumble. Unconditional love, right? Prodigal son, father at the top of the hill saying, I don't care what you've done, still come, you're good, right? We want our kids to have that sort of sense. No matter what you've done, you're still good. I still approve of you. I still love you, right? I'm going to put a QR code up on the screen here. If you want, what you can do is take your camera on your phone and that QR code should take you directly to this blog post that I'm referring to right now. So you can read a little bit more about it just because I just think it's so important for us to have this posture of curiosity. Okay. So I hope that worked for you. Moving on on um, the seven day rule. I think a Curiosity can be fueled by us knowing the apps that our kids are using. So whenever a son or daughter wants to use a new app, we always employ the seven-day rule, which I don't care what Disney princess is on the app, you download it and use it for seven straight days before they do. Interact with it. Advance a few levels. Look at the ads that happen on the app and then ask yourself, would I want my kids using this application? Okay. That's the seven day rule, super simple. Why is curiosity important? Because if these apps were around when we were teens, we would have done the exact same things. I just think we need to remember that, that we would have behaved no differently. We would have been just as addicted to stuff. We would not have been able to put TikTok down. We would have wanted to play Fortnite. We would have made our parents think that we were the only kid who didn't have something, right? We would have done all of those things. And I think that's important for us to remember. All right, the last two parts of digital trust are conversation and coaching, right? So conversation, talk to your kids, grandkids, nieces about all of the awkward things that nobody talked to us about, right? If you don't, then Dr. TikTok, Dr. Snapchat, and Dr. Google will. And their office hours are 24 seven. 
So we talk about all of the things, which often leads to the question of Chris, well, what's the right age to talk about pornography? It's probably two years younger than you think. So if I were to ask you to write down a number, I would probably tell you to subtract two from that number. Why? Because I don't want us to talk about it about when they need it. I want us to talk about it long before they need it. Because pornography is a super normal stimulus. You'll read that in that blog post that you just QR code just a little bit ago. And I want our kids to have years of your thoughts and ideas and practice and principles flowing through them long before they deal with this issue, okay? I want you to teach them long before they need it. And that means multiple years. And that does mean practice. If you've said to your kids, you know what? If you see something that makes you uncomfortable, I want you to put it down and come to me. That's great. But in the moment, that abstract idea falls to the side and fear takes over. Unless you've made it tangible. You've taken the abstract and you've made it tactical to them. So you put a Chromebook in the lap of your son or daughter and you say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk up the steps. I'm going to go into my bedroom and I'm going to scream from the top, ready. And I want you to pretend that you've seen something that you know you shouldn't see, something that makes you uncomfortable. It makes you feel weird because whenever something feels weird, it probably is. Your feelings are your superpower. I want our kids to hear and know those things. And then you have them actually put that screen down, put the Chromebook down, walk up the steps, knock on the door and open the door and say, mom, I saw something that I shouldn't have. I really want to talk to you about it. You practice that and make it as tangible as, pro as possible because otherwise what will take over in that moment is, well, should I tell them now? Is this okay? And fear and that little lying voice convinces them not to say anything. And that's what I want to avoid. So we've written about this issue, right? How to talk to a five-year-old. In fact, here's another QR code, right? How to have, there's examples of these conversations that parents have shared with me. There's examples from my own experience as a dad, how to have some of these conversations. And so I hope that this might be helpful to you. Share this with your friends, right? There's some scripts in there, just some talking points that if you're not sure how, maybe this will help. All right. Good. Moving on. Sometimes I use the phrase, make porn the norm, which out of context sounds really horrible, doesn't it? But I want it to be a normal. I want us to normalize the conversation. I want us to rob the enemy of his curiosity power over our children when it comes to topics like pornography. And I want our children to know that they've got so much information from you about it that they Google you instead of the machine. In fact, that's a phrase I use with my kids. I was dropping my son Cole off at Boy Scout camp last summer. And I was like, hey bud, you know what? You're gonna be hanging out with 400 tween and teen guys. What could possibly go wrong for the next week, right? You might hear some things that we haven't talked about. And you know what? When you get home, Google me. Why? Because I'm your dad and I love you more than the algorithm. Google me. I'll be honest about what I know and don't know. Remind your kids for all these topics, they can Google you first. And you become an authority like Google when you talk about things frequently and openly. All right. So, so good. 
We tell phrases like put it down and tell someone. These are phrases we say to our kiddos. When we do parent and student talks, we do hundreds of student talks all over the country. We'll have whole gyms of elementary school kids repeating put it down and tell someone and practicing that, you know, put it down and tell someone. We want it to be tangible. We want those to be phrases that our kiddos hear when it comes to this issue. Now, sometimes I get asked, I know there'll be a recording, feel free to take a, a screenshot or a picture of this. Sometimes I get asked, well, Chris, how do I know when it's a big issue? Like, how do I know when it's not just, hey, let's talk about the fact that my kid has seen pornography? These are some of the attributes that I've been counseled on from different experts. I know this is a, a room full of therapists and experts who maybe have other thoughts on this, but these are the five bullets that I've often used to give parents a filter through which to go, yeah, I probably need to get professional help, or yeah, this is probably a little bit outside of my ability as a parent. And I think it's important for us to recognize those limitations because pride, right, can sometimes get in the way. It's hard to raise your hand and say, I need some help. But kids can recover if we intervene quickly. So I want us to be okay intervening and, and getting them the help that they need when necessary, okay? Then the last part, I'm going to move on to this phrase here before I get into coaching. I can kind of summarize the whole conversation and maybe most of the digital trust talk with this phrase. Does your child know beyond any doubt that he or she can land softly with you? So when I say things like make porn the norm, that's a phrase that hopefully leads a kid to feeling like they can land safely with you. When it comes to, to predators or things that are scary, or I just received a nude photo from a friend who sent me this text that I didn't really want, like, do they know that they can land safely with you? For all the moms and you know others that are on this call, if you don't know whether or not your kids know that they can land safely and softly with you, the opportunity I want to put in front of you, you have 48 hours to make sure that they do. During some moment, car time, meal time, bedtime, typically shoulder to shoulder kind of stuff is really a great opportunity for these things. It's not like the Inquisition. We're not like staring at them and making, it's just, hon, I'm with you. And I just want you to know whether in the real world or the digital world, you can land safely with me. I've got your back, right? Remind our kids of that. Sometimes we say at Protect Young Eyes that if they're not rolling their eyes at you yet, if they're not finishing your sentences, then you haven't said it enough. I want this to be one of those phrases where they go, oh yeah, I already know. Good. Just wanted to say it again. Right? And then the final part of digital trust before I turn it back over to the team here and see if they have any questions or if you have any questions is coaching. This is a posture of I'm with you and not against you. Now, I know as parents, we have rules and that's great. Have your non-negotiables. Be the parent. I love that. And there need to be consequences when, you know, bad choices are made. But in the end, we want our kids to know when it comes to technology that we're actually rooting for them. We want them to get this right. I am for you. And there are spots where we invite our kids into having some say. Because any rule they help us create is a rule they're more bound to obey, right? And so we've created the Digital Trust Playbook. Not a digital code of conduct, those are fine, but you're not the HR department. And like when you go to a kid and you say, honey, I need you to sign this digital code of conduct, it kind of sounds like you're 
the HR lady. And I don't know that that's what we want. I don't know that that's a phrase that builds digital trust. Now there's some, I was an oldest, I am an oldest child, kind of a rule follower. And so I might've been the kind of kid who like, okay, digital code of conduct, I'll do whatever you say, I, I got that. But that doesn't work for all kids. And so we wanted it to be a little more invitational, something where there's blanks, you kind of go, okay, what do you think the rules should be? When do you think mom should put her phone down, right? Like ask them some of those questions, give them some ownership in this, because if they have agency, they're bound to have a little bit more obedience when it comes to some of these rules, okay? So however that needs to apply in your home, there's no you know script for how that goes. It's just the principle of agency is the one that I wanna communicate here. Give them a little bit of say in it. And along that, we put some boundaries around in that coaching that are hardware related. Like we, I'll put the Griffin router up here. This is what we use. It runs all the Wi-Fi in our house. If anybody, I know BJ and others who follow us know how often I talk about routers. It's the device that I think we need to hug and give a little more love to more frequently. And so I don't know when the last time was you thought about your router. Probably not very frequently. It sort of sits behind the couch and collects dust and you don't think about it until your Wi-Fi slows down and then you kick it, but then you ignore it for another couple months. Our router is a really important device, especially if you've got younger kiddos. And so Here's another one of those QR codes that I know will get dropped in the Zoom chat. This is maybe our most popular blog post, which goes all through the different router situations where you given a router by your internet company. Maybe you have a modem and a router. What does that mean? Maybe those are two different devices. What does that mean? Maybe they're the same device. What does that mean? If all of those are questions where you're going, I have no idea. Don't feel overwhelmed. This blog post will give you the opportunity to sort through all of that so you can know exactly what to do because your router is one of the most important devices in your house. Some other hardware solutions that we can wrap around our kiddos to coach them well relate to kid-friendly devices. Now, many of you there in Utah are going to be very familiar with Gab because it's based right there in Utah. Love the Gab device. I wish it existed when my daughter was in middle school. It didn't. But now my sons can benefit from the Gab phone, right? I have right here at my desk that my son Cole uses from time to time when he goes to a friend's house. They have a watch. Bark now has a phone that is fully controlled with even more options on it. Gab is pretty locked down. That's what some parents want. Other parents want options, and that's what Bark provides. And so we have an affiliate relationship with them. It doesn't cost you anything more, but you know, let them know that PYE sent them your way. Same thing with Bark. You know, we have a relationship with them. Why? Because again, I've tested all these things. I can show you, right? The Bark phone here on my desk that I put through the, it just buzzed. It put through the rigors over and over again to make sure that I trusted it before I would recommend it to anybody. So those are two options that are great. Software that can really help because we sometimes give our kids iPhones and Android devices that aren't connected to our routers and they go places, they connect to the cellular network or they connect to a different you know, network at Starbucks or something. So they have to have software on them that also controls and filters. And these are solutions that we trust. I work at Covenant Eyes. If you're familiar with Covenant Eyes, right? An anti-pornography software company. I do all of their digital marketing. So all social media content that comes out of Covenant Eyes comes from my team of eight people. So I love that service. It helped me 
kick pornography out of my life. I love Covenant Eyes. That's why I went to work for them and really appreciate their mission when it comes to accountability. The two in the middle are Apple and Android's free parental controls. That's the screen time app. And then in the middle is the family link. That's the kite. So they're free on all of Apple's and Android's devices. Every iPad and iPhone that you get comes with screen time. That purple with the white hourglass, that's free. It's not foolproof, but it's free and it's decent. Every Android device, you can put family link controls on it. This also applies to YouTube, which you'll get in the post that will you know, ship this week. That every child who uses YouTube can have family links controls, which have supervision attached to them. So you can control the type of content that they get in YouTube. That all goes through family link. That's the kite. And then Bark not only has a phone, but they also have software that you can put on an iPhone or an Android device once a kid graduates up to that, okay? So that's some of the software and the hardware solutions because in a digital world that is increasingly, I feel like daily, more hostile toward our children, our response must be strong and relevant. So we wrap them in different solutions, right? First and foremost, we wrap them in prayer. I just put this in a post yesterday where I was reminding our families, let's not forget that. And I use Psalm 119.37, which says, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. And I invited parents to personalize that, to insert the name of your children, right? Turn Cole's eyes away from worthless things. Turn Lauren's eyes away from worthless things according to your word, right? These are ways. So we do that in the spiritual world, but then we wrap them with practical. So we have this powerhouse combination of prayer and practical that can come together to wrap our kiddos in protection so that they are prepared and balanced and protected online. So those are some of the things that we believe. That's all a part of the digital trust framework. I know it's a lot. So my invitation to you is to step back from this presentation. And as you have quiet time, as you have your own car time, meal time, and bedtime or exercise routine, marinate on a couple of these and pick one. Like this week, pick one thing. Is it the router? Good. Just work on that for a week. That's it. Is it, do my kids know they can land with me? Just pick that, right? Just pick one part of one thing in one of these five phrases and just do that. And then as you get confident, build on that. And you've got the summer here to build on those things so that you can wrap them up. So we do have a newsletter that you can also receive. This QR code will allow you to receive that. We'll be shipping the next one. I think on Thursday, we do that about every three or four weeks. We do research and we ship a lot of information out via email. If that's preference, if that's a preference of yours, you can receive that here. And I think with that, I'll pause because it's 12.05. Time flies and you're having fun with great people. And I want to pause there for any questions that the Mothers Who Know team might have. If you want me to press into anything in a little more detail, I'd be happy to do that. Or if you've had questions that have dropped in, I'd be happy to answer those. But friends, that is us. And we just simply want to be a resource because tomorrow another app is going to come out that none of us have heard of. Tomorrow, something else scary about artificial intelligence is going to make us think we're in the middle of a movie. Something else is going to, you know, make us upset. And I just want us to not despair and go, all right, there are multiple good resources out there. We want to be one of them. We want to be one of those tools in your belt, one of those 
arrows in your quiver that you can go, all right, as a mom who wants to protect my kiddos, I can depend on Chris and the team. And that's truly what we want to be for you. Thank you so much. Wow. I think we all feel so blessed to be here today. That was incredible. We're so grateful for you, Chris. We probably do have some questions. BJ, what's it look like over there? Yeah, I'm sure we do. This is such an important topic to all of us and still on our hearts and minds. And so thank you for your hope-filled message. So hope-filled and giving us, you know, just forward-looking things that we can be considering. So good. Thank you for what you do. Okay, ladies, before we go to this Q&A and sharing takeaways time with Chris, will you just know that we are going to be highlighting some of the programs that we have at Life Changing Services that we know are such an asset to parents, especially in tricky spots where you're like, you know what, I'm not qualified totally to cover this issue. I need some support. Oh, thank you, Karen. And, and thank you so much, Chris. All we need is more time and that's, mm-hmm. and that's okay. We're, I love the idea of just doing a one bite at a time. That's doable, right? We can do that. So, and I love the, what you said, Chris, in the beginning is just, it's easy to have this feel like, okay, Mount Everest. Now, what do I do? I love the invitation to go from overwhelming and pivot over to an opportunity I'm going to adopt that word and just in my mind, just thinking of it that way changes just the way I feel. So you know, what's interesting about that BJ, I've never said that in a presentation before. Like it, it really was just one of those moments where I'm like, that's, that's what we want to do. Right. First Corinthians or second invites us to take every thought captive. And I think we have that opportunity An overwhelming thought can be taken captive and pivoted that way. And that's what came to mind. And so I, I, I just, I I'm thankful that this opportunity <laughs> allowed that phrase to, to come out because I'm also going to start using it. I think there's some power there and I just hope I'm glad that that was meaningful. I just wanted to share that. Cause I said, I was like, that's good. Where's that been for seven years? I, I got to start using that. So <laughs> thank you. Yes. I think there's heaven's help, right? Real time. <laughs> So I really appreciate that. Yeah. So I do have several questions here and I see that there are some that are in the chat as well. So let's, let's go to these ones that I have that have been sent in or brought forward by some moms one. And then just a a couple that I had, you mentioned land softly and safely, you know, several times and can you just share a couple of phrases that might be helpful for us? What does that sound like? What does that look yeah. like? Yeah. So what it doesn't look like is needing to prepare a PowerPoint presentation. What it doesn't look like is needing your child's full attention. What it doesn't look like is a bright light in a chair and you having to say things eloquently and wonderfully. It doesn't look like any of those things. It looks like what a mom shared with me after a talk where she was already familiar was she came up to me and she said, Chris, I've been following you for a while. I want to share something that happened. She said, I was, this was a month ago, Chris, and I was cooking in the kitchen 
And she said, in her home, we have this big island. And so after school, when homework's done, everyone just kind of congregates in the kitchen. Maybe some of you can relate to this. The kitchen just sort of becomes this place of hubbub and activity. And she was cooking in the kitchen. She has a 12-year-old daughter. And she said to her 12-year-old daughter while cooking, honey, I just want you to know that if anything were to ever happen on your tablet or your Chromebook, that I want you to know that you can tell me about it. Like she just sort of loosely, just sort of nonchalantly just said that while hanging out with her daughter in the kitchen. Didn't even know if her daughter heard her necessarily. Right. So fast forward two weeks, she was putting her daughter to bed. And before she left the room, her daughter said, mom, you said I could tell you anything, right? And in that moment, then I get emotional thinking about it. In that moment, shared a really difficult thing that she had seen online. And it was all because mom let her daughter know the door was open. That was it. It was just a drip. It doesn't have to be this dousing, like this waterfall, once a quarter moment where we expound on our kids with all this research and information. I want us to drip little spirit-led invitations into their life. Like pray for those little windows of opportunity. Pray that you have the eyes and the whereabouts to, to recognize it and then just drip a little thought, a little invite. Right, you're driving down the road, you come up to a stoplight, the radio's on, you turn it down, shoulder to shoulder strapped in, can't go anywhere. <laughs> and you just sort of drip into their life. Hey, you know, sometimes YouTube does YouTube things. Am I right? You know, if you ever saw a video on YouTube that was kind of weird, I just want you to know that's okay. That's not your fault. And you can tell me about it. Turn up the radio and keep driving. Right. So I think there's opportunities like that, that are more natural, that are 10, maybe a hundred times more powerful than anything more formal that you might want to do. Those are a couple of examples that come to mind, right? And so what I say to parents, when I invite them, you need to talk to your kids about porn. They're like, oh my gosh, those two things I just said, those both qualify as a porn talk. And you know what I didn't say in either one of those situations? was the word pornography. And yet I guarantee that those are both effective conversations when it comes to making sure our kids know how to handle pornography. Right? So I think that's a little bit of the, we just need to convince ourselves this is easier than we're making it out to be. You all on this call have the tools and the ability to do these things. Little drips, practical nuggets in their lives are so, so effective. Thank you, Chris. Just just to point to us, like when we get done here and we're thinking, oh, I have more questions about YouTube or some of the things you've said or some of the apps that are available. Or can we go just to the website to where how what's our best way of finding information and resources? Yeah, you know, that's if you've got the energy to go and just cruise through the website, great. If you're on Instagram, I would invite you just to thumb through our feed. We do share, and I'm proud of this, we share a ridiculous amount of value just in our Instagram posts. You know, I'm proud of that, that we share a lot of free, helpful information. Just go through the feed and go, oh, that's what I want to know more about, or this or that, right? And get some of that information. Some of the specific questions, right, I'm seeing here in the chat, how do I get more control on YouTube? Excellent question. If you have followed us, you've seen that I've been teasing out that we're going to drop. I just worked on it for like three hours last night. I think tomorrow we're going to drop this 
massive post on YouTube. All the tips, all the ways to control it or not control it, but at least recognize the parts that can't be controlled. We've been literally working on YouTube for three straight weeks. And we're going to put that out on Instagram and on Facebook for everybody to learn from tomorrow. That's stuff that you'll be able to find on our website, right? What did the hourglass stand for that was by the kite? That's Apple's parental controls. If you were to go to, and I'm just going to share. So you can see I was working on, this is the post that you're going to see. You're getting a first peek at it. Nobody else has seen this. This is what will be on Instagram tomorrow. But if I were to go to protect young eyes and to go to our website here, right at the top, you're going to see parental controls, right? You'll see apps and devices, right? If you were to go to apps, you're going to see them all listed here. If you were to go down to YouTube alphabetically, this will link to that new research. If you were to go to devices, I said that that hourglass is Apple's parental controls. If you were to tap on Apple iPad, you go through all the 36 steps, layer by layer, screenshots numbered, exactly how to set this stuff up. So we want to try to take some of that overwhelmingness into bite. Remember, I'm not a tech guy. All right, I want to say that again. I'm not a tech guy. But I think step by step, we can do a lot of these things. And that's how we present our information is in those little bite-sized chunks. Thank you, Chris. Okay, we do have lots more questions. And we have about five or eight minutes here left for a Q&A. Okay, next question. I feel so discouraged as a mom. I feel like it was my responsibility to teach and protect my kids and that I have failed to do so. It's hard to conceive that I would ever have enough tools or knowledge to, to stand, oh, to get a chance, to have a chance against these big tech companies and so many individuals exploiting them and my kids. Yeah, so let's just put out there, big tech doesn't care about any of our kids. That is a true statement. I mean, I sit across big tables with these companies and they don't care about your kids. I hope that, I don't know when this question was asked, if it was at the beginning, the middle, or the end, but my invitation would be to grab on to what seems doable right now, right? I think our Lord's invitation is a is one of looking forward instead of judging us by the rearview mirror, right? An invitation forward. And so you've made mistakes. Welcome to the club. You feel like you haven't led your kids perfectly in the digital age. You are in good company. Now, going forward, what are a couple of practical hooks that you can grab onto? Maybe a practical hook from what you've said is an apology to your children to admit, I could have done a better job. I'm sorry. How can I help you best now? Maybe that's a spot. Or it's one of the other practical things we talked about. I think what I'm getting to is look forward for one or two practical hooks that can build a little bit of that digital confidence in you. As we say, it just takes a couple of things to sort of flex your digital superpowers. I think all of you have them. They just need a little flex, a little muscle, the right practice, the right exercise. And a few of those practical things I think can help with that. It's my simple invitation. Thank you. I see a question here in the chat. Do you do talks and trainings for high schools and staff, students, or are they mainly for younger kids? 
we do, I focus a lot of my talks now on what I would call leadership day events. So I go to entire dioceses and parishes and schools and churches and lead professional development sessions for half and full day sessions. I have multiple modules that I'll lead teachers in church leadership through to make sure they understand mental health technology in our kids, pornography, layers of digital protection, all of that kind of stuff. So this was the spot that you would go to on our website to request a presentation that would then head to Michelle, who's here. She is my executive master of details. That's literally her title. Is she's the yeah, I've given her that because she is fabulous. I would be lost without her, really. She's my best friend's wife. I've known her for decades. She's great. And so, yeah, we do all of those. I think in the last 18 months, just to parents and staff, we've done 219 presentations all over the world just to adults. That doesn't count the 150 that we've done for students in the past 18 months. So I have six other presenters, BJ, that do these talks that I've trained up that this is what we do. So please, if you want more, let us know. Thank you. Here's here's another question. I'm trying to combine some of these. Do you, as we have found our own personal mistakes and things in the past with our with us personally, are these how do you do you recommend sharing those with our kids and as part of you know this team effort? Any thoughts there, Chris? Could you rephrase that just a little bit for me, BJ? Yeah, I, sure. I last, yeah. So maybe in the past we struggled with technology or pornography or. Sure. Do you recommend bringing that up to our kids and how would we gotcha. do that? Gotcha. Yeah. Eventually, but not too soon. So I, I think there are age appropriate ways to let your children know that all of us benefit from not using technology in isolation. For example, I want, and my my boys, my, my kids have known for a long time that I use Coveted Eyes, right? That I have an app on my devices that sends a report of activity to another man. Why? Because even dad needs help using the internet well. Like that's a that's an idea or a thought that I've wanted my kids to know for a really long time. Now, do they need to know all the stumbling and bumblings that I've had online now? Not yet, but they will. So I think there's element of you need to know your kids and you know there are ways to increase the authenticity to build digital trust with them, but don't feel compelled or forced to share too much too soon. The internet does a good job all by itself of sharing information with our kids ahead of schedule. That's a phrase that I've heard used in therapeutic circles, that the human brain was intended to absorb certain types of information at certain developmental phases. And one of the primary sins or problems of the internet is it introduces young brains to information out of schedule. And that causes trauma and questions in young brains. And so I want us to be careful of that and not feel like we have to tell them our story too soon. Oh, thank you, Chris. Okay, last question. And then we'll we'll hand it to you, 
Karen, just to help wrap us up. And then Chris, if you would just be considering just a final thought that you can leave us with as, as we finish today, that would be great. So the last question would be, we've got, let's say our kids are young adults now, lots of mine are in this spot, you know, 18, 19, 20, 25, maybe they're in our home, maybe they're not. Do you have any thoughts there? I have a 19 year old here in my home right now for a few more weeks and ooh, it's been painful fig figuring out how to, okay, yeah. Yesterday was three hours on doing gaming and there was lots of, anyway, what do you, any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, that's tough, isn't it? You know, as an adult in the house, there, there's a couple of things. So I'm not there yet. So this is a spot where I haven't practiced a lot of things yet. So this will be more philosophies that I haven't tried yet. So for, for what it's worth, that's what, that's what I'll share. But what I've told parents is, you know, if there is an internet connected device in the house, I don't care whether the owner of it is four, 14 or 25. You always have to imagine that that device needs to be usable by the most vulnerable person in the home. You always play to the lowest age in the house in what you do to protect those digital devices. Because if I'm a 25-year-old living at home and I say, I don't need a filter, but my 12-year-old brother gets a hold of it and now is using that phone in the house unprotected, that's a problem. So it's the burden of the oldest. I'm an oldest child. And so I felt this sometimes where you always bore a little bit more of the burden in the house for your siblings, but that's the responsibility of being the oldest, of being that older sibling. You have to Imagine that you are the example for them and you are also protecting them by making choices about your own devices. When it comes to how much time they spend online, that was a lot more subjective. You know, as long as they're still doing the things you want them to, like kind of picking up and kind of preparing their own meals. You know, at some point, if you're 20 and you want to spend three hours on Snapchat, I can't stop you. Right. So there, there's a balance there that every family, I think, needs to ask and answer for themselves. But what's non-negotiable is if that adult child's digital behavior is increasing the risk of harm to younger siblings, that is non-negotiable. That is where they have to line up and do whatever you tell them to do. I hope that helps. Thank you, Chris. We appreciate that. Okay, Karen. Oh, I just want to get right back to you, Chris, for a final message of hope that you have for all of us. But I just think as it has to do with our theme, you have so supported the spirit God gave us today. Right. You've just helped us with so many empowering thoughts to feel like, hey, God gave me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that whenever we're in a place of fear, reframing that and using the opportunity that you mentioned. So awesome. Thank you so much for that. Back to you, Chris, for final word. Yeah, you know, we've, and I'm reading the chat here, I just wanna reread re some of the, the chat here and, and just say, these are the words that I want you to print and to read again. You know, we as human beings, all of us, we have such short-term memory for goodness. You know, I think in the Old Testament, I think that's why God was always saying, 
make a remembrance, make an altar, stack a bunch of stones. Remember that I did something good because you are so forgetful. And I want us to remember, you know, some of the positive reorienting thoughts you've had here, because I know in life, 30 minutes from now, the enemy wants to steal some of those away and forget. And I, so whatever you need to do to memorialize some of these things, one of the devotionals I love is by Oswald Chambers. And there's a, one of the days where it says, when you feel this window where the spirit is saying, go make as many irrevocable decisions as possible, because that's a narrow window that the enemy loves to close. And then you forget to do good things. And what he means by that is like in that moment, do things you can't undo. And so if you're saying to yourself right now, I need to redo or undo our router, send a text to a friend that says, I need to redo my router, hold me accountable, make sure I do it. Or if you feel like you have to talk to your kids about something, message your spouse right now and say, okay, before the weekend, I want to make sure we have a conversation with Grant or whoever. Do whatever you need to right now to memorialize the decisions so that you're more compelled to do them. So that's my encouragement to you is to lock yourself into a couple of things and, and, and do those things and then build on that before life and busyness kind of takes over. So yes, print that chat, read it again, get encouraged by all the awesome phrases that you guys are sharing over here. And that would be maybe my, maybe my final word for us. So yeah, thank you so much, Chris. And thank you so much everybody that was with us today and for the spirit you brought here and for how deeply you care for the love and safety of your family just i know that god so appreciates how much we care and i love your mission chris the world needs men like you and thanks for being part of christ's great cause it's so good thank you yeah i love you all See you again next week. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA eight young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under Mothers You Know LCS or search for Mothers You Know, and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know last if you would like additional support and training please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms 
You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at mothershoknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.